0: Hello and welcome to Axles in the Attic. This is a six-part podcast series where we're going to look at the history of figure skating through a different lens. Today we are going to travel all the way to Germany to meet Joseph Spey, a German ice comedian with an incredible story. This one's going to blow your mind, I think. And again, joining me for this look back in skating history, is the wonderful Allison Manley. Welcome back,
1: Allison. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here, Ryan. Thank you for having me.
0: You are so welcome. Thank you for joining me. I think that this is going to be a blast. Uh, We're going to jump right in there, and we're going to meet Joseph Spey. And as a child, I remember watching Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with my family and being absolutely fascinated by the scene where Indiana's father played by the legendary Sean Connery, boarded a Greek-bound Zeppelin to escape Germany. There was something about the Zeppelin that completely piqued my curiosity. It was fantastical and foreign to me, something I could draw absolutely no comparison of anything to. Little did I know that a good 20 years later, I would be writing about a figure skating connection to the world's most infamous Zeppelin, the Hindenburg. It's funny how things like that work out. So for those who aren't familiar, Dean Nicholas offers an excellent primer on the Hindenburg Air Disaster. In the Hindenburg Disaster and the End of the Airship Era, his 2011 History Today article on the subject. And Nicholas said, on May 6, 1937, the German airship LZ-129 Hindenburg was was destroyed in a fire whilst attempting to dock at a station in New Jersey. Theories about what exactly happened differ. At the time, the accident was thought to be an act of sabotage, but it is now generally understood that a spark, possibly caused by a static buildup, ignited a fire that blazed through the hydrogen-filled craft. The, The ensuing inferno, which took the lives of 13 passengers, 22 crew, and one person on the ground, was captured on scene film and memorably commented on by an emotional newsreader, Herbert Morrison. Morrison said, this is the worst of the worst catastrophes in the world. There's smoke and there's flames now, and the frame is crashing to the ground. Oh, the humanity and all the passengers screaming around here. And for more information beyond Nicholas's article, I definitely recommend giving Stuff You Missed in History classes, 2013 podcasts on the subject of lessons. I know, being a smoker myself, that I was shocked to learn that smoking on an airship filled with 7 million cubic feet of highly flammable hydrogen gas wasn't only possible, but was all the rage. Can you believe
1: that, yeah, it just <laughs> You know, I, sadly, I can. <laughs> yeah, that was the time. <laughs> but if, that was the time, but yes, I mean, to be to be up. However many miles in the air surrounded by highly flammable gas and lighting up a cigarette is not really the wisest choice to make. I think we can all agree. <laughs> I don't think we well, do it today. <laughs> no, I don't think we would do it today. Well, highly combustible smoking rooms aside, the Hindenburg air disaster marked the end of an era of luxurious Zeppelin and dirigible air travel. And I was blown away, pardon me, absolutely inappropriate and unintended fun by the number of people who somehow survived this horrific accident. One of those who did manage against all odds to survive was Joseph Spey, a vaudeville comic acrobat who immigrated as a young child from Strasbourg to Douglastown, Town, Long Island, New York. At the time of the disaster, Spey was in the portside dining salon. When trouble began, he smashed the window with his movie camera, which had yet, which he had been using to film the landing of the Zeppelin. I wonder if that film exists. As the ship neared the ground, Spey lowered himself out of the window and hung on to the window ledge. And when the airship was approximately 20 feet from the ground, Spey let go. He kept his feet under him and attempted to do a safety roll. when he landed. He did injure his ankle, but incredibly survived the fall. He was attempting to crawl to safety when a U.S. sailor slung him over his shoulder and ran him out of of harm's way. Let's stop and think about this for a minute, because that's insane. It's seriously insane. (laughs) It
0: definitely is. And um, as for video, I mean, I I certainly know that, you know, I I think all of us have probably seen, you know, have seen that American film footage of the Hindenburg, and that's what we think of, you know. Right. um, That that iconic footage. And there is quite a bit out there, and we are going to – we definitely will share some of that, you know, in the show notes for this for everybody to see. I don't know if there's anything, you know, where you can where you can see him hanging, uh, hanging from this burning Zeppelin, but we'll find what we can because there's a, there is quite a bit out there, and it um, is it is
1: kind of amazing too that so the Zeppelin didn't land on him, you know, because one person on the ground did die, you know, so the fact that he managed to roll himself out far enough for for another sailor to grab him and get him out of harm's way is really incredible. A lot of the people that, that actually escaped that disaster, I mean, they
0: might've, they might've made it out and survived or survived for a time. But I mean, there are people that there are people that were jumping from that plane and they were on fire. Like I know that there was one story of a, of a mother and she grabbed one child and jumped, but she had a teenage daughter and her daughter wouldn't leave and she had to leave her daughter, uh, in the aircraft, and that, just just so tragic. I mean, it's it's certainly um, it's certainly it's certainly almost like an air disaster version of the Titanic, and it, in a way. It really, really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, continuing after making his way from the fire, Spey spoke briefly to Chicago radio radio announcer Herb Morrison and reunited with his wife and family, who had been on hand to meet the ship. His wife noticed his ankle injury and suggested that they go to the air station's infirmary to have it looked at. The Faces of Hindenburg blog explains the grim turn of events that followed. A doctor informed him that he had broken his ankle, then then bandaged his foot for him. As they were leaving the dispensary, a nurse called for anyone who could speak German. Spey said that he could, and the nurse led him to a nearby room where a terribly burned young crew member lay in a bed. He said his name was Eric Spell, and he wanted to send a telegram to his girlfriend back in Germany. Spell wrote down the woman's name and address, and then then asked Spell what he wanted to say to her. Spell replied with a simple two-word message, Ich liebe, I live. Spell told the young man that he would go and send the telegram right away. As Spey turned to leave the room, however, Eric Spell died. What's that?
1: The Faces of Hindenburg blog also discusses a shocking, after-the-fact allegation that Spey himself was responsible for the Hindenburg disaster. Quote, several Hindenburg crew members, including Chief Steward Heinrich Kubis and Captain Max Proust, were convinced that Spey had sabotaged the ship. These suspicions were raised, at least by implication, in no less than two books on the Hindenburg crash. The evidence of Schwei's involvement in a sabotage plot was that he was caught several times walking unaccompanied back to the aft freight room to feed his dog, Ula, who sadly ended up being killed in the crash. This was against the ship's rules, and Schwe got some fairly sharp words from the chief steward about it on at least one occasion. Since the cargo room in which the dog was stored was not far from the spot in the aft portion of the ship where the fire started, some took this as evidence that Spey had used his visits to his dog as cover to climb up into the interior of the ship and plant a bomb. Several of Hindenburg's stewards also claimed to have noticed odd behavior on Spey's part during the flight, particularly his impatience to land when the ship's mooring was delayed for several hours by thunderstorms. This impatience was, of course, understandable, as Spey had been away from his family for months and was, in all likelihood, merely anxious to get home. In the end, there was no solid evidence whatsoever to support these accusations. The FBI investigated Spey fairly extensively before concluding that he had nothing to do with the Hindenburg fire. His wife, Evelyn, would later recall that when word of the FBI's interest in her husband as a potential saboteur first appeared in the press and she read about it in the newspaper, She went outside to tell Joseph about it. He was cleaning windows at the time, and when she told him that he was suspected of having destroyed the Hindenburg, he was so shocked and upset at the news that he almost fell off the ladder on which he'd been standing. In fact, most of the suspicion of Spey having intentionally destroyed the ship was likely psychological in nature, particularly on the part of Captain Proust, who, for the rest of his life, would insist that his last command had been sabotaged by the man with the dog. If the ship wasn't destroyed by sabotage, then it, of course, stands to reason that it may well have been an operational failure. And it is understandable that the ship's crew wouldn't exactly be anxious to believe that the disaster had been due to a flaw in either their handling of the ship or in its design. In other words, those who believed that Joseph Spey had sabotaged the Hindenburg seemed to have done so primarily because they needed to believe it. So modern research largely dismisses the sabotage theory and instead purports that static electricity was the culprit in causing the fire that ignited the highly flammable and explosive hydrogen gas aboard the Zeppelin. It, it makes sense to me, Ryan. I mean, you know. It makes sense to it's, me too. It, this is like a Bill, <laughs> Bill Nye of Science nine moment. <laughs> I know.
0: So I bet you're all wondering, after all of this, what Joseph Spade's connection to skating is. And after recovering from his broken ankle, Spey returned to his life of vaudeville entertainment under the stage name Bendoba, which I love. Um, his shtick involved staggering on stage in a rumpled top hat and tails, searching in his pockets for a cigarette, which was in his mouth the entire time, and then shimming up the pole of a gas street lamp to light a cigarette. At that point, the lamp would begin to sway wildly, and he would perform acrobatic tricks while holding on to the lamp. He performed this act atop New York City's Channon Building and even appeared on the silver screen, acting alongside Laurent Livier in the 1976 film Marathon Man. Following the Hindenburg disaster, Spey revised his Bendova act and performed it on the ice. According to the March 25th, 1957 article in the Long Island Star Journal, the broken ankle he suffered turned out to be a lucky break after all. He took up ice skating to help regain its strength on the advice of the family doctor, uh, Dr. Joseph Mooney of Jackson Heights. Naturally, the whole family took it up with him. And today, the talents of the Spays are almost all on ice. The youngest of the brood, Evelyn, 17, will join her father's act next fall in a sketch called The Lady and the Tramp. Richard, 21, is a hand of pro skating, as was Marilyn, 22, who met her husband on the rink and is retired to play the role of a land-loving wife. The article may have been a little bit backwards. Spey's wife was actually named Evelyn and likewise his daughter named Marilyn, but it did give some insight as to why Joseph decided to translate his popular drunken vaudeville act to the ice. Following in his father's footsteps, Richard Spey, who had been at the airfield with his mother to meet his father the day of the Hindenburg disaster, too became an ice comedian who went by the name Dick Dova. who wasn't the only Hindenburg survivor with a skating connection. Werner Franz, one of the last Hindenburg survivors, passed away in August 2014 at the age of 92. He was a member of the airship's crew that jumped from the Zeppelin and lived to tell the tale. Before taking on the role of cabin boy in the Hindenburg, he had been a figure skating coach to two-time world champion, Marika Kilius. It appears that the case of the Hindenburg, having skating in your blood, was a lifesaver all around.
1: That's amazing.
0: That is amazing. Not one, but two. And, and Two of I, them. I, of that, of that, I know, of that few survivors, so that's really, really crazy.
1: It is amazing, and so I guess my question to you is, Ryan, if you said that he was a cabin boy on the Hindenburg, but he had been a figure skating coach, so I'm assuming he became a coach after the Hindenburg, correct?
0: That's what I'm assuming as well. Uh, mm-hmm. because, I mean, I don't, I don't think you go from figure skating coach to cabin boy. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that makes a lot of sense. So I think that's what they're saying there.
1: Spey's incredible tale of survival and turn to skating as the result of an injury suffered in one of the world's most well-known and horrific air crashes is quite simply remarkable. James Baldwin, the author, once said that all art is a kind of confession, more or less bleak. All artists, if they are to survive, are forced at last to tell the whole story, to vomit the anguish up. Up until his death in 1986, Spey was constantly asked by fellow performers and strangers alike about his harrowing escape from the Hindenburg, and every time he was asked, he told the whole story, and along the way, he provided a lot of laughter to the world. That is the sign of an artist.
0: I agree there completely. I think that, you know, as they say, laughter is the best medicine. I think, you know, to go through all of that, to lose your dog, I mean, that that's that in itself it, you know and, and just to, to be haunted by those memories and I think if you look I think if you look at that, the, that, uh, the Titanic and how many people that lost people or you know and did survive that disaster it just haunted them for the rest of their life so I think the fact that he was able to tell the story and not bottle it up and you know and have a sense of humor and try to have a sense of humor about the whole thing you know that's pretty healthy that's pretty remarkable
1: mm-hmm. I, I agree, and I also wonder if Joseph Spey and Werner Franz, the other survivor of the Hindenburg, who became a skating coach, really knew each other later in life. I'm assuming they must have.
0: I think that they must have. I mean, I think there's certainly there's six degrees of, of separation in, in the skating world at all times, and I you know I think that I think in that era, yes, one was a one was a skating coach in Europe. Uh, well, I'm not assuming I, if he was if he was coaching Marie Kalyes, he would have been. Um, a skating coach in Europe, and yes, um, Spey was performing in North America, but they very, I think that I think that they very well could have known each other. So that's something that I'd love to research a little bit more and see what I can find out about. So absolutely. Well, so I really enjoy doing this one.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's what's so interesting about these historical tidbits that you dig up, Ryan, is that it just makes you want to dig up more. <laughs> it does.
0: But I think, you know, I think that, you know, I when it, comes to, when it comes to skating history, these aren't the things that we learn about. And, you know, if, if we're reading books about skating history, these are kind of the untold stories. And there's so many of them out there. It's endless because of those six degrees of separation that there yep. are in the world and in the skating world. And it's always great to learn more. And I'm so happy that you're joining me and helping me share these stories with other people. I think it's great so much fun.
1: Yes, it's been, it's really been fun. And thank you so much, Ryan. I'm looking forward to the next one. Me too.